Tony, you're basically a movie star. I mean, we had the Grammys earlier. I know that's not a movie thing, but I mean, kind of surprised I didn't see you there. Well, yeah, I think I think it's a huge miss on whoever is responsible for this stuff. So the lack of awards for best supporting media person in a web-based docu-series <laughs> be its own category. Uh, Let's yeah, be I, honest. Yeah, I was uh, I was in a movie with Jordan Spieth. That's how I'm telling the story. Welcome back, everybody. Golf Spy T, Golf Spy C. How you living? It's no putts given. Chris Nickel, Tony Covey. We're back. From the PGA show, and Tony is down one half of one digit on his shirt, it appears. Yeah. I'm good, though. I'm good. You're good? For not now. A, not a PGA show uh, for, for now, as the, well, as, the, as the projects around the house um, continue to spiral out of control, we'll see. But for now, all see. 10 digits on the, on the hands. You feeling Maybe. better, Tony? I'm you like 95%. 95, 90, 95% back from the PGA show malaise, the requisite disease, if you will. Which is one of two things we can generally count on from any PGA show experience being around that many people in confined spaces for hours on end. Number one, we tend to get sick. It just is kind of a thing. Number two, overpriced convention center food, food and beverage, $19 and 13 cents. Roughly. Is that what it was? 1913. Yeah. Roughly. It's something like that. 1913. will will get you a uh, 20 ounce bottle of your Pepsi product of choice. Plus um, a rather underwhelming sized crepe. And it's, it's not just a crepe. It's not because we're all bougie eating crepes. As I said in in the post, it's basically anything. And a bottle of soda is $19 and change. Yeah, it could be a chicken sandwich. It could be a couple street tacos. It could be a crepe. tainted taco bowl. <laughs> it could be a tainted oh, taco bowl, which got our video guy Parker better uh, than me in a bad way. Yeah, but we're back. We're feeling good, Tony. Two big topics. Let's talk. We got PXG golf balls. We do. PXG is making a golf ball, and. Wow. And second topic, Tony, you're basically a movie star. I mean, we had the Grammys earlier. I know that's not a movie thing, but I mean, kind of surprised I didn't see you there. Well, yeah, I think I think it's a huge miss on on the Academy or whoever is responsible for this stuff. So the recording, the, the lack or... of yeah, the the lack of awards for best supporting media person in a web based docu series. <laughs> Something. should be its own category um, let's yeah, be I, honest you know, i was uh i was in a movie with jordan speed that's how i'm telling the story everything else is it's all gold bearings as they say we're gonna talk more about that too but before we get to you and your movie debut uh let's talk about this golf ball pxg now once upon a time tony once PXG oh, tried go. to make a golf ball in a galaxy far far away in a time long long ago but it wasn't even called PXG then, was it? True story. So when PXG, the original PXG engineering team, Brad Schweigert and Mike Nicolette came over from Ping, they were operating under non-compete agreements. And so for the first mm. year they were at PXG or the umbrella company Yam, they were not able to work on golf clubs because that would be competing with Ping. However, making okay. a golf ball would not. And so they worked on a golf ball at the time that was called the the Slick Golf Ball. Slick, slick. Golf. Slick. The, 
Never, golf. Right, most people never heard of it, but I, I like to say not day one, but, but technically before day one, before PXG could design clubs, they worked on a golf ball. So the, this isn't like, oh, out of the blue, let's, let's make a golf ball. This was something that was on the radar you know, basically almost a decade ago now. Crazy. But we never heard of slick golf after that. It came to a rather uh, unceremonious end before it even started, really, right? Yeah, like, as, eh, as, kinda... So as the story goes, and I want to clarify, this is, you know, this is going back some number of years now, and stories evolve and change. And... Hey! <laughs> you too! Knock it off! All right, so back to As the story time. goes... As the story goes, and and prefaced with right, there's there's some mythology here, and who knows what the absolute letter of the truth is, but this is the way it is now recounted. So PXG developed this ball, this slick golf ball. They think they have something, and they're out on the range doing testing. And as I understand it, as I've heard it, this is before Scottsdale National was renovated and totally beautiful. So. They're on the older driving range in the shack with the robot. Brad and Mike are in the shack feeding the robot balls. And Bob is literally standing on the range with a walkie-talkie. So they're they're firing slick balls downrange, and Bob's out there. This looks pretty good. And then they load up Pro V1X, I believe it was. First one goes flying over his head. Second one over his head. And I don't know if it took another one before Bob radioed back. Like, guys, uh, we're not going to make a golf ball. <laughs> over, over, out. Over, Done. over, fiend. You don't have to say or you don't have to do the makes it. Yeah. yeah, no, there's there probably some, but <laughs> yeah, that was that was the sound of the slick golf ball being scratched from the lineup before there was a lineup. So, yeah, long story short, this is not a new idea for PXG, but it is a new golf ball. For All right, PXG. so not a new idea, but a new ball. Why Ish. now, Tony? Why, Why not? Why not? Well, why now though? Why? Why twenty twenty three? Why? Why after you had this debacle? Not even debacle, but great learning experience. That hey, this ball market's tough. I mean, it. We are littered with golf balls out there. You, the requests you get to add things to Ball Lab and and cut this and test that and do this, and it seems like mm-hmm. there's a new DTC brand popping up literally every day, and then three more disappearing. Um, why jump into such a such a crowded market? I probably can speculate and say there's a few reasons. First, I mean, if you look at what Titleist is doing now, fifty four ninety nine a dozen, Callaway yeah. Bridgestone forty nine ninety nine a dozen. Strixon's a little bit less, but of your sort of the guys, you know those those brands and really even the top three is the bulk of your market share. Okay. Certainly, if you when you funnel in like Pinnacle, even which believe it or not does does register. So Akushnet slash Titleist has a good chunk of market share. TaylorMade's got a decent cut. Callaway obviously has a decent cut now, mm-hmm. and those guys are all not only expensive but seemingly getting more expensive as they they kind of fight this weird battle amongst themselves for to to dominate the premium description like all right i'm 54 dollars or 55 i'm more premium than you and so i don't think mm-hmm. callaway is going to stay right stay at 49.99 because that's five dollars less than premium now so these guys clear are, you forgot yeah, clear we didn't mention 58 clear. bucks <laughs> right yeah we, we definitely definitely do <laughs> yeah. not want to discount the clear golf ball so no 
Um, <laughs> but and, point and who being, knows, and a, who knows what the log golf ball is going to be when that when that rolls out as well. So, I right. think there's an opportunity to provide a urethane offering for less than those guys. And sure, yeah, obviously, lots of companies already do, but I think that is one piece of it. Certainly, I, I believe. PXG believes it has a, a much better performing ball than the uh, the original Slick. So, hey, we got something that is market ready finally. Sure. And the other thing here, this is this is a disposable piece of equipment. It means ongoing income potentially if, if people like the ball and continue to buy it. And as so, right, hey, let's let's let me bring you into the PXG fold, and it's a good way. You know, this is thirty nine ninety nine. I think it could have been interesting. We'll talk about that here in a minute. I think it could have been more interesting at a lower price, but that that removes some of the barrier of entry to the PXG brand. So maybe that's mm-hmm. hey, let me let me experience a PXG product at an even more affordable price than a dollar or, or excuse me, a hundred ninety nine or whatever a driver right. goes for this week. Right. So to recap real quick, I mean, with that, so as we've seen some pricing pressures go up, it kind of expands maybe what that middle ground of what value is or what maybe consta you know constitutes value but two questions uh, first question Tony let's let's have what is the ball like construction wise and and get into a little bit of kind of the performance attributes so, of it because yeah. it's a because it's a single ball right we see again every company you just mentioned in those top tier companies that dominate the market they have two and three in some cases four yeah. different quote unquote kind of flagship or tour premium urethane balls. This is ah ball, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm just checking my notes. So yes, one ball and I was I was trying to find the line PXG uses. So this is this is one ball that does it all. And so okay. that that's kind of the thinking, right? We're gonna have one ball and it's gonna fit most golfers. And I think that that's a fair assessment. It's a good is it gonna be dialed in absolutely precisely for everybody? Definitely not. It's going to work for a lot of golfers, yeah, because it's it's in that design space that typically works well. So, three piece urethane cover. Interesting note: uh, what PXG said is they were kind of hoping to split the difference on compression between, and if you want to equate that to feel, that's reasonable as well between the Pro V1 and the Pro V1X. So, okay, on our gauges, that suggests the target in the low 90s. Um, I measured a quick handful. And they're all they, they average out at 97, which puts it completely level with the Pro V1X. So in terms of compression, I think that's probably the point of comparison, though, with the with this particular cover. It's a it's a thicker urethane cover, so you do have more soft material to interact with. So it may feel a bit softer, but yeah, that that's kind of the the big picture view. Okay, so quick recap: three piece ball urethane cover in the urethane cover space we have two different types generally right we have a cast urethane which tends to be pretty thin and then we have an injection molded or tpu urethane cover which tends to be a little thicker and you said this is the latter is that this is yeah this is injection molded tpu and shall we jump right into it let's do it get it jump right into it so as as one does when you're the ball lab guys, you try and track down the factory that is making the ball. Uh, first clue came on the box. These are made in Vietnam, which narrows the field considerably. The The fact that it has 338 dimples 
narrows it further. And so we, to me, that, that gave me one really good point of comparison. And so I went digging and of course here's, you did. here's what ah. matches the cover right there. Ah, so that is the five gallons of mayonnaise and some Kirkland signature golf ball. So same cover. Are we, can we say that or no? I, I, what I will say is it is consistent with the cover on the Kirkland golf ball. And okay. I, I spoke to, to Bob Parsons this morning and confirmed that, yes, it is being made by the factory. Uh, it goes by a few different names, SM Global, SM Parker. SM Global, I think, is really more on the import-exporter for the factory. Um, right. I don't know if it still goes by Qingdao, which is what it was when it was in China, but They've shifted operations to Vietnam. So, yeah, this is being produced by the same factory that produces the Kirkland signature. Um, So there you go. This one, red, white, and blue, PXG. Makes sense. Yellow, white, and blue, Kirkland. To be clear, this is not the same golf ball. The cover, I believe, consistent, potentially identical, likely identical, but... uh, Certainly the core is different. We measure the PXG ball as firmer. Uh, having done some ball testing out at PXG with PXG engineers, I'm, I'm confident that they know exactly what the Kirkland ball is and would not want to re-release the Kirkland. So mm-hmm. my hunch is it's going to be, I know based on my measurements, that it is a firmer ball, slightly firmer, about five compression points firmer than a Kirkland. That tells me it's going to be faster. Yep. I, I guarantee you they've taken more than a little spin out of the ball. So I think fundamentally a different ball with the same cover, because we've talked about that before. As I've come to believe over the last handful of years doing this golf ball stuff, I think in terms of all of the R&D challenges in golf, producing a viable high performance dipple pattern is probably the most difficult thing to do. And so, yeah, there's a reason why companies tend to use them over and over and factories use them over and over and over. So I, I think that's what we've got is a, a ball made at the same factory that shares a cover with the Kirkland, but is otherwise different. All right. So let's go two different directions with this direction. Number one, we don't know about performance yet. We don't know about uh, consistency of production yet because we haven't run those tests. We haven't done those pieces, but let's talk just from the performance standpoint. First, what is PXG saying and do you buy it? So, oh, well, PXG is is there, there's some stuff coming from from Mike Nicolette again. You know, uh, as as I note in the article, as far as I know, he's the only engineer working at a golf company who's ever won on the PGA Tour. We know about Marty at Ping, very competent right. player, <laughs> right? Uh, he right. can handle himself. But Nico Nico actually won at Bay Hill. Um, he'll tell you seventy three, maybe. Oh, it was nineteen uh, seventies. I think late 78? 70s, 78. I don't know. We yeah. can look it up. Um, but he won Google, on the PJ Tour. Yeah. Just Google Mike Nicolette. It is worth it for the first picture that comes up anyway. <laughs> one suave dude back he in his time. He is one good-looking fellow. That is fair. So, you know, Nico, Nico says it's the best performing ball he's ever used. And in his testing, the, the, the Titleist balls have never been able to keep up with the PXG. And, he says that and he, he acknowledges it. <laughs> he, since he kind of works, he yeah. works for PXG. Maybe you're not going to be inclined to take him at his word for it, but it's right. you know, kind of a, a, one of those things that makes you go, all right, maybe, maybe it's worth checking out. 
And the other piece is the requisite bit from Ball Labs, independent testing, excuse me, Golf Labs, mm-hmm. independent testing at Golf Labs, which shows that it is a tick longer than the Pro V1X, a little bit longer still than the Pro V1. And then the rest, you know, PXG will tell you that it shows that it, their ball is is better. And you see similar numbers on wedges and irons as well. Um, right. The distance piece is intriguing. The rest, as I say, um, I don't I don't tend to look at that stuff as better or worse. I, I think it just says, hey, it, it has a little different flight and spin properties than a Pro V1X or a Pro V1. So that's what I chalk it up to. Again, the distance piece, the ball speed piece is interesting. Uh, but we've seen these Golf Labs reports for <laughs> for years, and they tend to all right. show the same thing. You know, the, the home, home team, team wins. always, yeah. Yeah, they win at a clip that that would make the Globe Trotters blush. So, <laughs> yeah, take it for yeah. what it is. Interesting to me, not definitive, but interesting. And you know, Christ, forty bucks, somebody's gonna gonna try well, it out anyway. That's what I was gonna say. What, what was interesting to me is you know you can split hairs over a tenth of a mile here and two tenths of a mile there, and being able to say better, you know, longer, whatever the case is. Again, home team always wins. That's fine, but to me basically trying to put it in the conversation right because sometimes it's about the company that you keep right and when we see these golf lab reports it's always compared to or generally you know pro v1 pro v1 always we were just as long as clear and slightly longer than tp5x or, or whatever right so people they want you know want to associate in, in head to head testing we bested the sugar by four and a half yards right <laughs> right right so basically saying hey you know you see the tagline and, and we saw this before with other companies you know titleist ish performance at a price that is you know fifteen dollars a dozen fifteen dollars less. less right so that's that's not chump change and and I don't know I mean on percentage fifteen is a lot more than ten. And right. so, as, as I noted, you're just kind of maybe running away from the budget-minded consumers. And if for $40, I can get a golf ball, which, uh, according to the PXG marketing info here, performs. Ready for it? Ready. This ball performs this ball. like a gymnast wearing a jetpack getting fired through a howitzer. They go far and stick the landing. And I, I, I guess that's a good thing. I don't know. I'm still I mean, trying to unpack it, but I'm pretty sure no other golf ball does that. So I don't know what else you would would, would want from a golf ball uh, other than that. So we don't know 100% on performance yet. Obviously, as we get time and you know we're able to figure some of that out, that's totally fine. But what would you expect from the ball lab side when we run our labs, right? Labs, again, people, they're not about performance. It's about the quality and consistency of manufacturing. Anybody can make one really, really awesome golf ball. Nobody makes a perfect golf ball. The question is, how many times can you hit the just Can you make a million center? of them? Can you make a million of them? So knowing what you know about SM Parker, knowing what you know about that, do you have any expectations when you start putting these through the real paces? I, I don't, and it, it's only because... First of all, SM SM Parker doesn't make a ton of golf balls. They're not churning out the volume of DTC stuff that, at least not that we test. So they're not churning out the volume that Foremost or Launch Technologies is. It's or relatively limited, yeah, right. And, and certainly not like hey, the Titleist factories or the Bridgestone factories or right. Callaway at Chicopee, right? Uh, we we don't see a ton from here. In fact, I believe the Kirkland is the only thing we've ever tested, and. 
the the first generation not so great the first three piece second generation quality was better but now we have a new ingredient and that's that hey these are these are being produced in an entirely different factory so i don't know hey are they are did they get better you would hope they get better did they get a little worse there's there's a people element how experienced are the people in the new vietnamese factory versus the guys that were making balls at the chinese factory so there's right. a lot to consider but a very long a, to to put a short answer to your question. No expectation because we don't have a lot of familiarity uh, at yeah. all with this factory. Yeah, so we will get this into Ball Lab at some point, and you know, I would imagine be... people are going to want it in quickly. So, yeah, we may we sure. may push it towards the towards the front of the line. But I want to go back, Tony, to when we first you know heard about this last week or or whatever, and it's like, hey, PXG's coming out with a ball. Start look you know looking at it. Based on what you thought then as compared to what you know now, are you more excited for this ball to come out, less excited for the ball to come out, considering price, performance, where it's made, all of those things? Where's your where's your temperature? Uh, I would say it's I've, I'm a little less excited. Uh, and, you know, it's fun to track down the factory. That's kind of, you know, hey, that's a stupid that's hobby. That's you're a that ball nerd. Yeah, you're a but nerd. I... When, when I heard about this, I started thinking about, all right, because it's textbook PXG. Here's the presentation. We're going to tell you everything you need to know about this product, except how much it costs. We'll, we'll right. tell you that in a few days. We'll finally figure that out and let you know. And so kind of thinking about, all right, where's where's the market right. impact? Where's where Where do you think it could be disruptive? And I was thinking, and and again, based on, everything Bob has done with PXG pricing where he hasn't been afraid to go low and, and make small margins and, and things like that. I thought $29.99 was the number I had. I thought if this ball comes out at $29.99 with a, a somewhat recognizable name, I think PXG at this point is you have to, sure. you have to assume most golfers have heard of it by now. So yeah. if this ball comes out at, at $29.99 sub $30, it is it is disruptive. I think you really have the potential to disrupt the market there. If you go and I, I consider twenty four ninety nine as a possibility, at that point you're just you know throwing rocks at, at everybody else, sticking out your tongue. You know, <laughs> right. um, I thought that was that would have been something. Uh-huh. At forty dollars now, you're you're in the ERC soft category. The Titleist Tour Speed, I think, is about right. that price point, or you can right. try you know, in that vicinity, plus or minus five bucks. Right. And so at this, at this price, I, I don't know, like you're going to people who buy it out of curiosity and it's probably is going to develop a following because PXG already has a following, but I also look at this and go, well, I can get max flies for less. And that is a really, really good golf ball. And Mm -hmm. I can get encore for less. And that's, that's a good ball and Snell when you can get them, I can get those for less. Those are good balls. And, not for anything, and for most golfers, they may not care, but there's a school of thought that says that cast urethane is better than injection molded. And so those balls that I just rattled off, those are cast urethane balls. So if I can get cast urethane for 35 30 or less if I'm buying in bulk, even Vice, right? Another one that mm-hmm. people know that has developed a following. Yep. If I can get those for the price that I can get them at, that to me is more compelling than a PXG ball at $40. So for me... Yep. For me, the price is a little bit of a miss, and who knows it? 
would anybody be shocked if it if it was forty dollars for for three weeks and then came down in price? I don't think so. Um, no. So that could happen. So again, I think it's it's intriguing. Obviously, people are going to want to try it out and and see what's going on, but. It's, it's priced a little too high for me. But again, if you say, hey, I'm trying to compete with these guys at just a slightly lower price point, I get it. Mm -hmm. I just think if you're what your intent, if the intent is to to be disruptive and, you know, really, really put your foot down both in the market and maybe on, on some brands throats, it, it's too high for that. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, like I said, I think people will buy a box off curiosity. Everybody, you know, buy one because you're intrigued. Do you come back? You know, two, three, four, five dozen. That's more of a performance thing. Um, Who I knows, right? That... Buy two, get one. There, there are lots of ways that these prices could could move in time that I think would make it more intriguing. So, yeah, mm -hmm. I won't be shocked to see that at all. I think if you're disruptive to a market, you know, on pricing, right? You have to go one direction or the other. You either come in with a ball that's seventy dollars a dozen or something like that, or like you said, you keep it sub thirty. PXG didn't didn't run either way initially with that. Will not surprise me at all if you get hey, it's forty dollars a dozen, but you know, they're they're it's a little yeah, it's too. a little a little too stuck in the middle. But mm -hmm. hey, I could I could be shocked, right? I mean, I think I think there are unknowns about quality aside and Right. Clear, we don't unknown, have right? all the information yet, right? But there are you can certainly buy a lesser ball for the same money. So, I mean, that's one way to look at it, I guess. Yeah, and we'll see, right? To be determined. But, Tony, you're a movie star. You're in a movie with Jordan Spieth? I, yeah. Tell me about and, this. And, and Stephanie Luttrell, I think. Let's, let's not well, discount let's be Stephanie's clear. role let's in be clear. any of this. <laughs> right. So, But you were, in a, you were in a docuseries. What was it? And did yeah, anybody? So, and most importantly, has anybody seen it? Did anybody? Well, so this is. It? I mean, this. So this will go live Wednesday. So the docu series will hit the interwebs officially on Tuesday. It was. You could have caught it inside the Titleist booth during the PGA show, but it effectively tells the story. So let's see. Here's here's kind of the official Titleist text on it. We All go right. farther. Is a new series from Titleist that keeps that takes you deep inside the Titleist Speed Project, a six-year journey that transformed a daunting challenge into tour dominance. Meet the team that led the way and see what it takes to harness pure speed. Okay. So there you go. Great. So what role did you play in this? How did you even get involved in so so I got a, like I got a call this. from one of the guys at Titleist and he was like, "Hey man, so we're going to we're going to shoot this documentary thing and we're we're bringing in an experienced team who's actually done documentaries that are on Netflix. So, you know, some some high-powered at least people behind this. I don't think this is going to Netflix anytime soon, but that's kind of the production quality." And he said, "Hey, you know, so we're we're shooting this thing that kind of talks about the evolution of our drivers to where we were, to where we are today with, with TS, TSI, and TSR. So yeah. like, would you be willing to kind of be in it and talk about stuff? I said, right. well, like, I have a question. Am I allowed to talk about when they sucked? <laughs> and he said, he's like, yeah, absolutely. I'm like, all right, I'm in. <laughs> so that, that's kind of how, how I got into it, I guess. 
So, yeah, I mean, going back to that and, you know, we were at the premiere at the PGA show and, you know, a lot of media types. <laughs> this is the one place to get free food was the popcorn at the I premiere. Know, the pop, and it was great. I, I appreciated uh, that very more much. Of that. Um, they, <clears throat> I know we saw it, we watched it. They didn't necessarily lean into the whole win the driver sucked piece. Maybe as much as you wanted them to. Oh, I, is that you fair? Know, I that's fair, but I, I get, and it's, they, they seem to kind of want to start the story at nine seventeen, Uh, and, and that being like, they thought they had something, but they realized very quickly that ball speed was becoming more of a talking point and ancillary to that spin becoming more of a talking point. And when you're, when you're slow and spinny in a world, you know, I, what I, what I would say is they, Titleist was in a position where they were getting pantsed by the launch monitor. Uh-huh. It's just kind of hard to hide from that stuff. And so it's kind of like the evolution of 917 to the TS series. And, you know, if I had my way, we'd go all the way back. I'm like, Let, let's start the conversation at 907 D1. Like, <laughs> let's start there. Let's talk about how you made the triangle thing. And then just was like, you know what? For We're just going to make conventionally shaped drivers that are that are slow and spinny for almost a decade. And then and then we're going to title a speed project. So we didn't we didn't go all the way back in time. But yeah, we started at 917 with some acknowledgments that it, it wasn't competitive with some of the other drivers on the market but you know here we are right with, uh, by ts it was mm, mm, tsi was like okay and now tsr you're like all right yeah you can you can run with anybody so well, really and, just the and- story of the evolution and and also i think really the critical piece of it is, is showing the kind of the thinking that went into the design and, and the pe- and the people that brought those designs to life. So we talked about Stephen Luttrell, Chuck right. Golden, Steve Ogg on that team as well. I mean, just yeah. JJ. So everybody right. that kind of contributed on the Titleist team. And I think that that's important because it, it helps put a face or faces to the brand. Uh, and that's, I'm going to think of like the old days of the golf industry. That's something that's kind of disappeared a little bit. Like back in the day, there were guys, you know, like this is the guy that designed my club and now it's become much more corporate. So I think as brands, as brands want to connect with golfers, sort of introducing them in some way to the people behind the products, I think is, is a really cool way to do that. Mm -hmm. Well, you realize those people are more in some ways like you and I, and say, Hey, they have a job. They go to work, they do a job. This is what they work on and and you hear them talking about it as a project and something you know that is similar to how other people talk about their jobs and projects and things that they work on and you kind of get an idea of you know these things don't just come out of a vacuum and it's like okay well now here's the next pro v1 or here's the next pxg golf ball or here's the next callaway iron or whatever the case is that there are people right now that are working on those things and they're working several generations ahead. And I think, you know, Steve Pelisek mentioned this, which I thought was really cool. Um, basically saying, we know now where we are. We know kind of what our runway is, what, where we think we can get better over the next couple of generations. We also kind of think we know where other companies runway is and where they can get better. And I think his quote was something to the effect of, we're going to be really hard to catch. Right. And your response, do you, I mean, do you feel like has Titleist moved ahead of the, I mean, the idea of saying, hey, we're going to be hard to catch means you're ahead. 
I think everybody everybody who makes a driver feels like they're ahead. They feel like they're super innovative. They feel like they're hard to catch. And so I think half the battle is, is finding the message that resonates with the guys that actually buy the golf clubs. Because especially if you're just going to walk into a big box store and, and hit a few balls in a, in a, in a hitting bay, these products are going to be way more alike than they are different. And so it's sure. how can you sort of finesse your way into something that works in a fitting environment? And so yeah, I'm sure mm-hmm. Titleist feels their ahead, but I'm, they may be, but I, I would be, I'd venture to say Taylor made feels like they're ahead and they may be and right. Callaway probably feels like they're ahead and they may Justin be. Justin Rose, Justin Ping. Rose. Yeah, I mean, feels are so there. So just run down the list. <laughs> right. So I get right. it. That's their perspective. And I think they, they feel like they do have a, a bright future there. But, you know, everybody's, everybody's in pretty good shape. It's <laughs> what is that? I think, you know, Pelly said five years on the runway that they know mm-hmm. about. They can so kind of see continue, that far. Yeah, yeah. I can see five years ahead, which for Titleist is only two two more drivers. So we'll see yeah. what what's the next five and the five after that. But I'm sure they're comfortable. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they like it. I mean, it, it also kind of makes me think this this docu-series, it was cool. I think people will like to see, like you said, some of the people behind the scenes, who they are, just from that type of an experience. And I remember, I don't know if you remember the show when they did like behind the music, you sure. know, and you would see kind of those things. And it's like, oh, what's next? Or what's next? Or this is next. What's another docu-series you would want to, you would want to see or you think people might – want to go behind the scenes and see like what, what, what's up? I got a couple ideas here, but well, I, I, I want to so hear yours first. As, as the guy you, you would call, if you want to tell a story of from when you sucked to when you didn't <laughs> suck. Right. I mean, Callaway golf ball, I think is, is first and foremost, like we want to talk about the history there and, and where they're going. And presumably based on what I've seen, you know, where they'll be in a year or two, I think that could be a fascinating one. Uh-huh. Uh, the other one to me, it's not as, as dramatic. It's not going to piss anybody off to the same degree as you know, anything right. you might say about a Callaway golf ball. But right. the TaylorMade irons, if you kind of go back to what that franchise looked like. Even like, like Rack OS kind of stuff? Or are we going to uh, go back a little, to? A little, you know, what is it? The, basically, when everything was red and plastic, the whole face slots era, and the oh, speed blades and rocket blades and all that kind of stuff where they uh-huh. – they they weren't they weren't sophisticated. The the designs were not refined. Right. <laughs> so right. again, when they sucked, I'm your guy. Okay, <laughs> I'm, I'm your guy. When they, if you're looking for somebody to you know, leave a big steamy one on your brand, give me a call. Um, but to where they are now, with like there's these really beautiful irons that look good, they feel good, they they perform. So I think you know that that's one for sure. But what do you got? Well, so I was thinking about like, uh, yes, I think you're the from when they suck to how they shine guy. That that's you. I'm I'm getting more into like some of the what really happened when DJ fell down the stairs. <laughs> you want to go? I want to get. <laughs> yeah, I want like a like a Netflix uh, docu series on, oh on that, or like, or maybe the equipment side. Like, hey, who really made Tiger Woods irons? We've heard these things. Was it Mizuno? Was it Myura? Was it this? Was it that? You know, things that, that people might kind of kind of sink their mm. teeth into. I think, you know, those could be 
kind of fun. And then like I, I another great one docu series would be like let's look from like 2000 to 2023 because the PJ Tour has never made this stuff public. Like who is fined and suspended and for what and when? That kind of a cool 30 for 30 kind I'm, of deal. I'm kind of the the when you sucked to when you got better guy. Yeah. And you're you're really like you want to be the unsolved mysteries guy. Yeah, I want to I want to hear about that. And then the other one it could be kind of cool because this allows me to flip the question on you a little bit is what if they did a docuseries someday on my golf spy, but instead, but instead you don't play you. Some actor has to come play you. Who should play Tony Covey in the made for TV special? This is what I got to hear. (laughs) When, how my golf spy came oh, came to leave that in the com- you know I, I I would say put it in the comments <laughs> but we are going to get so many so many that are going to say that that Murr from yeah impractical, impractical jokers, jokers because apparently yeah apparently all right so you can't say him can't say but you him. can post it below who should play Tony who should play me put me down there I cannot wait to hear what <laughs> what what people come up with and you know it. Whatever. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a beautiful thing. Tony, what time is it? Mailbag! Mailbag! Oh, I redlined the mic there. That's awesome. Okay. You did. That was... Well, you know, I mean, there you have it. Question one coming in off the mailbag. More or less, I'm going to paraphrase this question from this person. They said, I thought the Pro V1X was the lower launching, lower spinning ball. When did Titleist change that? This is amazing. So this this started on Instagram where somebody asked the question about the the spin properties, the launch and spin properties. And so I hopped in and was like, hey, you know, Pro V1X, I launch high spin, Pro V1, mid launch, mid spin, AVX, low launch, low spin again. Requisite disclaimer, painting with a very broad brush here. That's how Titleist positions things. And then somebody was like, I thought that the Pro V1 was higher spinning. And I'm like, it was, but then Titleist changed it. And it was it was surprising to me, first of all, that how many people didn't know that the change had been made. And I've, I've run into that too with some guys I know who told me like, oh yeah, I, uh, I, w- I was spinning the Pro V1 too much around the green or on approach shots. So I switched to the Pro V1X. And I'm like, mm, about that. <laughs> so yeah, it's kind of a, I think a lot of people haven't weren't aware that the switch was made and definitely weren't aware that it was made all the way back in 2017. So a long time ago, they kind of flip flopped those mm-hmm. um, and kind of changed it up. And I think it's hard to, people have asked why. And I, I think it was probably honestly, probably done in an attempt to simplify the messaging uh, and in doing so, right. The best laid plans, the best of intentions, uh, right. Just, created some some chaos in knowledge but hopefully hopefully it starts to resonate here all these years later that x is your high spin and the, the pro v1 is yours i have a solution and i have we, a solution we won't even talk me. about dash and dots and no but i have a solution stars yes the golf industry is notoriously bad at codifying things or having uh, agreement around things even like what an inch is right they can't even <laughs> agree on how to measure a Marshall's golf big drawer of rulers. <laughs> but but by default, the industry kind of backs into some of these things where more or less there is continuity. So if I were to tell you that there were a shaft that was blue, 
what profile do you think that blue shaft probably is? A oh, blue has got to be mid. That's a mid. It's mid launch, mid spin, right? No shafts. Black. Spin, Frazier likes to say shafts don't spin, but that's, shafts that's don't spin. Which, but mid launch, mid spin is blue. Low launch, low spin tends to be like a black or a green. Higher launch, higher spin tends to be that's always red. Red. So why not just go and make the Pro V1 balls Pro V1 blue, Pro V1 black, Pro V1 red? Oh, you've got. I mean, there's so much legacy with those balls. We've we actually it's like, hey guys, I know, been, but it's a <laughs> we've, we've been, we actually had the conversation several years ago with somebody I inside know. the Titleist booth. I was like, you know. I feel like you guys have been doing this Pro V1 thing for a while. Have you ever thought about a Pro V2? <laughs> Isn't it right. time for a new one? <laughs> right. Uh, so I, I don't know that they were solidly on board with that idea, but yeah. So there you go. Last question, Tony, and then and then we'll get to it. As we this question came uh, in terms of what's in your bag or how are you kind of going through that process? So we don't, we're not going to talk all the way through our golf bags. What is the one club this year that you're most excited to either test or replace or you know as you kind of start your your journey of getting things set and ready for this year what's the what's the first place you're going to start it's always the driver that's i mean that's always it's just fun for me right i think a lot of people love to go to the range and just let the big dog hunk hunt if you will sure and so it's fun it's interesting and you always you know distance is still kind of the driving factor in our decisions Especially off the tee, so that's that's where I'll. Oh, sneeze coming, not coming. I don't know. Um, so that that's, that's kind of where I'll experiment uh, and, and see where I land. But I'm not. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. There's, there's a lot of cool stuff this year, and certainly I want to try the paradigm and knock the stealth around. And I'm probably personally a little more intrigued by Aerojet than it seems a lot of our audience is. But yeah, yeah I don't. I don't know. I'm like not. I'm not amped up like it normally would be. So if I if I settled in, if I ended up in, in the TSR for the duration of it, I wouldn't that wouldn't be shocked. Yeah. But I'm I'm definitely gonna go out and bang some balls and see how it goes. But yeah, I mean the rest the rest of my bag, we'll see some new stuff uh here in a few weeks that that maybe intrigues us. We'll see. But that we yeah, I don't know. I, I maybe I'm getting old, maybe I'm just getting sensible. But I'm not. I'm not. You're definitely to, one of the two. You're definitely one or of the both. Two. Uh, but I'm, <laughs> I'm definitely not in a hurry to to replace everything in my bag like I used to be. So no, no I, urgency. I, my my sense of urgency is I gap wedge. I cannot wait to find. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> do I go 50 or do I go 51 degrees this year? I don't know. Decisions. Yeah, it starts with the driver, and then we'll we'll kind of go from there. And I think we've said this before. If you have not purchased a driver if you are in the driver market you know let's say it's been three to five years and you haven't upgraded i was talking with one of my buddies yesterday we're hitting some balls on the simulator and he has the original epic very very first one uh and he hits the ball really good uh good player low handicap two three handicap and he's in the market for a new driver this year and said that's the guy or gal that should be really excited about drivers this year if you have not done it and you're look this is you know your first purchase uh, or you're you know you're looking to upgrade the driver you haven't done it last three to five years my gut i haven't seen our testing data from most wanted yet but my gut is man this is a good year where you can almost close your eyes you know throw it get ideally uh fit into that there's a lot of a lot of really really good 
uh, good options out there. So yeah, it, it's a good year if you didn't buy one last year or probably even the year before. So yeah, you know, like I yeah. said, I'm getting sensible in my old age. You're losing fingers, Tony, as well. This is what we'll see. This is what see. what happens. Well, as always, people, you got questions, post them below. We got to know who's playing Tony in this made for uh, TV My Golf Spy uh, event situation who do you want to play me i again i'm not sensitive throw it out there you can say whatever you want it's going to be it's going to be fun but golf spy t tony covey golf spy c chris nickel until next time we out